Yeah, no, I still didn't care for this episode all that much. So let's just kind of barrel roll through this, shall we? First, string continuity continues. We see the crew being rescued from their horrible status back on planet hell. So that's nice to see. And we see things kind of moving forward and concluding in a weird way. Now, what I mean by concluding is two character dynamics actually basically end in this episode. One is Alexander and Worf, and one is Dukat and uh, Kira. Now, let me explain that a little bit. So, Worf, on his end, he's still fretting about the wedding, because of course he is. And, uh... <clears throat> the episode makes a point to not only call out that it's Alexander, but spend far too much time elaborating on the fact that it's Alexander, who he is, and what his relationship to Worf is. Now... Uh, you could probably see why, as a long-term Trek fan, that irritated me. And it still kind of does. However, with the advantage of really thinking about this from a television production perspective, I can see why they did it. Remember, Alexander has only been mentioned once, ever, in all of Deep Space Nine, all the way back in Way of the Warrior. There was a very brief reference of Worf saying Alexander was back on Earth with the Rajenkos. That's it. So, if you've just watched Deep Space Nine, I mean, who the heck is this kid? And even if you are a follower of Star Trek, you still might not have known who Alexander is in particular, because he only shows up in, like, eight, I think, episodes in TNG? Something like that. I could actually look that up really quick, because, um, you know what, no, I don't care. Nobody cares, because nobody likes Alexander. No, I'm kidding. I'm sure there are people who like Alexander. Real question. Does anyone out there like Alexander as a character? I'm actually quite curious, because I don't. I never have. I didn't like him on TNG, and I don't like him here. Now, the reason I say his arc is concluding... Well, actually, before I get into that, let me talk about the last time we saw him, which was in Season 7, Episode 21, Firstborn. That was over on TNG, obviously, where he was still being played by, I forget his name, but the kid. And now he's being played by an 18-year-old. I Actually, I forget how old he is, but he's older than 18. Now, again, TV production perspective, I get that. They were operating under some pretty strenuous conditions because of this whole string continuity thing. Because, as I mentioned, the infrastructure wasn't really in place for this kind of production schedule. So they needed someone who was available for more than a few hours of shooting, which they all, you know, child labor laws, duh, right? So they brought in someone who was over 18 to, and just kind of hand waved it away. What I find funny about this, though, is Iris Stephen Bear himself pretty much flat out admitted, yeah, we made him older than he should be. I stand by the decision, you know? And honestly, I'm actually with him on that, so, hey. Um, but he will only be seen... Uh, actually, I think he's only seen once after this, but I know Alexander only shows up twice after this. Once in the episode, You Are Cordially Invited, which is the end of the seven-episode arc, so it's actually the eighth episode of this arc, or rather the seventh episode of season six, so season six, episode seven. Or, uh, rather, and in the episode Penumbra, which is... I believe Season 7, Episode 17. Uh, something along those lines. That's it. That's the end of Alexander. He was irritated that his father ignored him, so he decided to enlist in something he did not want to do and did not feel was his path, specifically in order to try and get his dad's attention. That's not me making that up, by the way. That's straight from the writer's mouth. Kids do a lot of stupid things for their parents. I should know. But, um... This is pretty stupid. And what's really stupid is he sticks by it. Like, he stays in the KDF after this. 
If you remember, it was a major plot arc, a continuing plot arc in TNG that he didn't want to be a warrior. He wanted to live his own life. That's even referenced in this episode. War flat out says, you wanted to be another path, and I accepted that. Now, the catch is, of course, Alexander hasn't been a character on the show at all. If I'm not making my point clear, let me try this another way. Jake Sisko is more of a character than Alexander Ryshenko is. Now, the relevance there is that Jake Sisko wasn't originally designed to be a character. He was designed to be an, an, a satellite to Sisko's character. But they decided to use him and work with him and actually make develop him into a character. And they are continuing to do so. He's going to get some good character stuff in Season 6. But that Alexander, Worf's son, who has, and Worf's been a major character in the show since Season 4 at the least, nothing. You see the problem here? Now, you don't have to have him on camera, but I, re I remind you, Alexander Hill's only ever been mentioned once. Now, this is something of an out-of-character problem, because, well, because they didn't want to bring the kid on because of child labor laws and blah, blah, blah. And the writers, well, I don't want to say this so definitively, but near as I can tell, the writers just couldn't come up with any story ideas for Alexander. Okay, sure, I, I can kind of buy that. You could at least have Worf reference him, getting communiques from him, talking to him long distance, encouraging him in whatever it is he's doing. Alexander can still be a part of Worf's character, even though he's never seen or heard on camera. That's a thing you can do as a writer. So the fact that they have totally ejected him entirely, and frankly continue to do so, is telling. I remind you, once again, counting mentions, Alexander shows up in... Four episodes of DS9 in seven seasons. <sighs> or however you want to divide that. And forgive me for going on about this point, because it's one of the only major things I have to talk about here. It, what I'm trying to say is, in my opinion, bringing Alexander into the show in this manner was a mistake. Given that this is season six and seven, when they've really started to push the recurring character elements... Alexander could have been one of those, and frankly isn't. And it feels like they didn't want to commit one way or the other to having him being fully off-camera or being fully on-camera. You can't tell me there isn't story potential in Worf, who is getting married, who is in a war that they are losing, that he wants to reconnect with his son and reaching out to said son and trying to learn more about him and understanding that differing perspective, and blah, 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 blah. It just writes itself, in my opinion. And again, it doesn't have to be a major plot. Don't you have to have an entire episode focused on it? You can have characters develop bit by bit across episodes in the background. That's a thing that DS9 has done. <sighs> Anyways. Point being, I disagree with Alexander's entire inclusion in this episode. I feel it's dull, trite, and doesn't actually add anything to Worf or Alexander. It actually just tries to torpedo Alexander's previous character arc. And yes, I know he's a teenager, and teenagers do that. Don't. I'm not looking for an in-character explanation. I'm not. For me, from a from the perspective of a work of fiction, this does not work, and that's my point. <sighs> I'm looking at my notes here. Is there anything else I even have to say about that? Um, Alexander shows a total lack of understanding of Klingon culture. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. There's this wonderful bit in the mess hall where the brawl gets started, right? I've talked about this so many times. Klingons are about how you react to them. 
A Klingon may walk up to you and say, I will rip out your tongue and kill you and pull a knife on you. But it is entirely possible. In fact, it's even likely the Klingon doesn't mean that. They're just saying that to see how you respond. And if you respond, you'll have to go through my ribs first. <laughs> Headbutt. Then the most likely reaction, assuming they're not a, a despicable Klingon or something, is to just put the knife away and be like, <laughs> through the ribs then, come on, let's have some blood wine. That's Klingon. Compare and contrast how Dax dealt with the crew of the Rotaran back in whatever episode that was, back in uh, late season five, compared to how Alexander deals with it here. Now, yes, I know, that's not quite fair. Alexander's a kid who doesn't know his own culture or people, and Dax is a very old person who knows Klingons extremely well, but I'm only making that point to make the point. Even someone who looks frail and weak and female is still more than capable of standing up to the Klingons than Alexander, who is male and Klingon and, okay, he still looks kind of weak, but you get my point? It's how you react. That's what a Klingon will respect. And instead, Alexander's just like, I don't understand. Why are you laughing at me? Thank you for the seat. Thank you for giving me this. No, no. In fact, just in case you think I'm being facetious, let me use a direct one-to-one -one comparison. Dax knocks someone over, sh shakes them on the ground, and says, this is my seat, you stupid piece of crap. She doesn't say it's more for work. And, the, and you're going to go sit on the other thing. I'm the new science officer. Get out of my way. Shove. Pulls up the seat, takes a seat. Alexander walks up and says, is the seat taken? Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with how he's acting. Just behaving that way to a Klingon? It's also worth noting that for all of their poking fun, you'll notice the Klingons do actually accept Alexander. Frankly, more than Worf does. <laughs> That's telling, I think. Really. I, mean, <laughs> I don't even know what to add to that. There's this great bit where Martok... So, I'm sorry, actually, one more thing. Worf also intervenes on Alexander's behalf. That was a huge mistake. Ignoring the fact that that's not going to help Alexander, that also kind of gets in the way of the way these things are supposed to work. What's-his-face, I don't remember his name, forgive me, was not going to kill Alexander. He wasn't. Alexander had done nothing worthy of death in Klingon culture or mindset. And the guy wasn't that drunk, and he wasn't that enraged. So anyone who's paying attention and observing the situation would know this was not a fight to the death. This is just one guy going to teach a lesson to another. And that's how Klingon culture works. I, I, I don't have to approve of it to understand it. You, you follow me? So, Worf intervening basically is saying what you are doing is incorrect when it isn't. And it, show, it basically gets across the idea that Worf himself is incorrect. And, to be blunt, compromised. <sighs> then... <laughs> There's this bit where Martok goes out and reaches out to him and says, all right, now, again, pay attention here. First, Martok says, all right, go ahead and use your weapon. And the kid fails miserably because, of course, he has no idea how to handle a weapon. Why would he? He has no training. And then Martok says, why are you here? To serve the... No, 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 no. That's a slogan. Tell me what's in here. Why are you here? And then Alexander doesn't. Now, that's important, because remember, Klingons are all about how you react and what you say and blah, 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 blah. So that immediately leads to Mark, him saying, just give me a chance, sir. And Martok says, I just did, you stupid twit. <sighs> so, 
so Worf has requested you get off my ship. And what I find amusing is Alexander's all pissy about that. But Martok's reaction is correct. He has every right to do that, as your superior officer and as your father. He, he does. I hate to say that. Worf is actually in the right to request Alexander's removal from this crew. Here's the catch. Alexander says that Worf has abandoned him. That he, Worf says he accepted that Alexander wanted a different lifestyle, but that he never actually embraced it, that he never accepted him in any real sense of the word. Now, I'm going to ask you a question that I expect none of you to answer in the comments section. Just think of it in your head. How many of you have experienced not being accepted or embraced by your parents? By one or the other. Maybe because of uh, a career choice, maybe because of a sexual preference, maybe because of uh, who you wanted to date, regardless of gender. That is what Alexander's going through here. And this is the one and only reason I'm more on Alexander's side than I am on Worf. I know it sounds like I'm on Worf's side, but I'm actually not. Because the problem here is, for out-of-character reasons, Alexander has been abandoned as a character. And that is unacceptable. Worf has basically dealt with him by pushing him off into the corner and saying, Nope, not my problem. And that's not accepting. That's not embracing. That's, that's tolerating. As much as tolerance can be a good thing, tolerance is a big difference from acceptance. And, of course, this boils down to the idea that Worf should try to accept Alexander as his son and part of his life. And probably not part of the KDF, if we're being honest. Now, all of this would be nice and fine if Alexander and Worf then started to have an actual relationship going forward. But as I've already told you, two more episodes. One of which is in Season 7. So, once again, misstep. Moving on. Zeal. The episode actually describes her as naive, but I prefer the word innocent. And I know what you're thinking. What's the difference between innocent and naive? Well, actually, funnily enough, rather than using my own terminology, I decided to go ahead and look up Merriam-Webster's definitions. Turns out, my terminology is actually pretty close to that. Innocent is a lack of knowledge of ill or wrong or evil, right? You literally do not know, and therefore are absent the kind of thoughts or feelings that would lead you to being a more horrible person to one extent or another. Being naive means a lack of specific wisdom or understanding of the things that you know. And Zial definitely seems to be more in the innocent category for me. I suppose you could argue that, since she certainly is aware of the fact that Dukat left her to die, which I do want to talk about, by the way. I do feel bad for her. You, you, obviously, she wouldn't want to stay on Pejor, would you? If your father was Hitler, would you want to stay in the in Poland? <laughs> Think about that. I mean, especially amongst the Bajorans, for whom, for some strange reason, blood is very important. So, you know, sins of the father, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> Cardassian also gifts replicators to Bajor as a part of a speech. And I noticed, I note that, because he specifically mentions that it is Cardassia gifting these industri industrial-grade replicators, not the Dominion, even though rea reality-wise it is the Dominion doing it. Why? This is just playing at politics in the background. This is showing how Cardassia is an ally of the Dominion, 
just like Bejor is an ally of the Dominion, even though in reality their relationship is completely different. Bejor has a non-aggression pact, and Cardassia is a subjugated vassal state. But by showing this, this era of contribution amongst Dominion allies, we can kind of push that message of equality amongst servants, right? Yeah, anyways. Then there's a cutscene, and it's really obvious, because there's this bit where Tira, Kira says, oh, I prefer the term tyrant, and Dukat just starts laughing, and like in the middle of the laugh, there's an unnatural, awkward edit, and it just cuts to the next scene. And, it's, and it, it struck me, and I'm like, what the hell? Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, you can actually find the copies of the original scripts for basically all these episodes online. So I decided to pull that up, because I've actually also read the novelization of these episodes, which contains a lot of info that's not in the episode, like a lot. Like, Sisko and Martok's big plan to defeat the Dominion is in those novels, which isn't even in the episodes at all. Or how about the entire subplot with Dukat trying to manipulate the Dominion into strengthening Cardassia's uh, you know, foothold? All of that's gone. But I remember there being a scene there, and sure enough, it was actually in the original script, and it was supposed to be right after that edit. And I only mention it because not only is it a good scene, but it helps add in, you know, insight into the next scene. Because Damar shows up and sneers every time he says the word Vajoran. And so Kira, Dukat has just, basically Kira just said he does this. Dukat says, no he doesn't. Then Damar does it. And Dukat's like, okay, you, you can go. And it's a nice little bonding moment between Dukat and Kira. And Dukat actually turns to Kira and says, I suppose I'll have to ask your Bajoran help later. And does a very obvious sneer and the two laugh. Now, uh, that's all fun and amusing, but it also adds some interesting context into the future. First, because the next scene with him has him saying, Dukat wanted me to deliver this. I think he thought it would amuse you to have me do it. So, that makes sense now. But B, consider how Damar's character arc will go over the next two seasons. And then consider that for a moment. Just picture it. Because, in many ways, Damar is arguably both worse and better than Dukat. Because Damar is legitimately specious, but it's a speciesism mostly of ignorance. And, well, if I'm being blunt, I would argue that most of DeMar's issues, this is just my opinion, but most of DeMar's issues are a byproduct of, well, upbringing, of the Cardassian Union and the crimes of the Cardassian Union. Whereas, by contrast, Dukat, he's horrible all on his own. So make of that what you will. But speaking of Dukat... So there's this scene where Kira is delivered this dress, and that's what actually snaps her out of it. Now, I mentioned the conclusion. So like I said, Alexander's not going to show up much from now on. Dukat is going to show up in several episodes going forward, but not in relation to Kira. In fact, only two episodes do, from now on involve Dukat and Kira interacting in any substantial manner, one of which is in the past, now, that's interesting to me that they just decided to completely chop that off. Now, if I'm being blunt, I would say that that's a byproduct of basically an abrupt, uh, an, a, a terminated story arc, terminated character arc. We know that quite some time ago, it was the intention of the writers to push Kira and Dukat together romantically. And it was not a visitor who put her foot down on that one. We also know that Dukat was intended to be the main villain of Deep Space Nine, which... We'll talk about that when we get to Waltz later this season. 
so it is my in interpretation that because of the fact that they wanted to just put their foot down on this one and absolutely chop it off, they didn't have anything else. I feel like I'm saying that a lot, that the writers just didn't have any ideas for characters. This is like the third time I've mentioned this, like, today. I, I know, I know, you, in the last, like, six or so episodes. Because I feel like what happened here is they really didn't know what to do with the relationship between Kira and Dukat going forward. I don't mean the romantic relationship. I mean the dynamic between the two. So with the one big exception, they never interact again. I just find that interesting, since, to be completely blunt, I find the dynamic between Kira and Dukat way more interesting than the one between Sisko and Dukat. But I know, I know. Emissary versus Pawraiths. Anyways, last point before I move forward. Dukat is very happy about Zial, right? Well, that's not necessarily an absolute fact. It is worth... I'm sorry about the buzzing, by the way. They're doing some construction, and I can hear a little bit of it in the distance. Um... I'll probably cut off recording today until they stop, because I, I can hear that, and it's probably audible on the mic. Anyways, Dukat, obviously, well, it, I, I took it as read for the longest time that Dukat did actually care about his daughter. He's shown this before. He actually abandoned his family, his life, and his standing in favor of Zial. The thing is, in the episode by Inferno's Light, he willingly allowed her to almost die because of the whole detonation of the sun thing, which Dukat was aware of, it's worth noting. And when directly called on it, he said, "She's I don't consider her my daughter anymore. Now, we can reconcile that with the Dukat, who will obviously care about his daughter in upcoming episodes and in this one. But how we reconcile that, that's a fascinating topic. Now, first, as ever, I'd love to hear your thoughts and why, how you, how you think you can make these things work in character. Because one of the theories I've heard is that Dukat... To, to put this as bluntly as I can, does not actually care about Zial, and was only using Zial as a way to get to Kira. In short, he had no actual real interest in Zial. He, she was just another tool to him, and the only reason he cares about her in the upcoming episode is because she was all he had left. It wasn't the fact that she was his daughter and that he loved her, it's the fact that it was his last toy, his last tool, his last whatever you want to call it, and therefore that mattered to him because it was the last one he had, which is actually consistent with the idea of him really caring about that freighter he ran all the way back in the day, because it was his freighter and it was his last freighter, so he cared about it a great deal. You with me? It is also possible that he very much cares about his daughter and, in fact, was effectively personally betrayed by her refusal to come with him, and as a consequence thereof, was in a heat in the heat of the moment in his anger deciding to hide his feelings of actually caring about her by lying about not caring about her but now that things are that now that he's returned and now that he has this option to reconnect with her he takes it basically immediately and immediately tries to bring her back into his life because he does actually care about her there's other options too and as ever i'm looking forward to hearing your guys's thoughts uh checking my notes but i think that is everything so i hope you've enjoyed this somewhat mediocre episode, and I'll see you next time.